0: It's the most wonderful time of the year. And of course, we're talking about motherfucking Halloween and not Christmas. Shout out to Victoria. It is her birthday. She is 25 years young, and I'm openly jealous about it. This being my favorite holiday and day of the year. Um, I really wish it were my birthday but I treat it like my birthday anyway. And really when it's her birthday, it's also my birthday because we do things together usually. So, you know, I usually win in the end. So, happy birthday to her. Jealous, but it's all good. I treat it like my own national holiday. So, I want to go over a few things. One, sorry about the delay between episodes. Um, I moved earlier in the month and I traveled a bunch. I was out basically two weeks, so. I'm just getting into it now. Um, I am going to take a take this back to once or twice a week. But today's going to be a pretty, I think, extensive episode. It's not going to be just 30 minutes, I don't believe, or, or an hour, whatever. It's going to be multiple 30 minute segments, and I want to cover a bunch. So expect it to go longer. So when you see the number, don't be like, wow, he must just really ramble. <laughs> It's going to be a bunch of stuff. So I kind of want to talk about a few of the tra- a little bit of the traveling I did this month. Only really for the first part. We'll talk maybe the second part, but I really want to keep this whole thing entirely Halloween related. Um then I want to talk about three movies I saw f- recently or fairly recently and then I'm going to end on an entire Halloween franchise review. If you know me, you know that I understand and I know this franchise pretty well and I am excited to talk about it. And there's nothing really restraining me here outside of the battery life on my laptop. So we're going to make it work and I'm going to hopefully go off. So I'm going to start here with some of the earlier travels Um, earlier in the month. The first weekend of the month, I went with my boy Cody. Shout out to you, Cody, to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios, um, Florida. It was the first time i had been there i'd always wanted to go so did cody and he's like my horror um slasher partner on crime and it was something that i'm going to remember for a long time and i'm going to make a yearly thing so Halloween Horror Nights is, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, which is like 65% horror based anyway, you already know what it is. Um, Universal Studios owns a lot of the rights to many, many different franchises, Um, including their own stuff like, you know, Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, all that kind of stuff, like Universal Monsters, right? And then in addition to that, all the stuff that they help produce as well, such as like us, or I guess technically now they have the Halloween rights and um There's a lot of different stuff that they own, right? So they turn their park, basically, just like Phantom Fright Nights here at Kennywood for Pittsburgh, they turn it into, you know, from Universal Studios, Florida, into basically their entire horror night. Um, And they do it basically for a month, month and a half. And it is remarkable the amount of work that goes into it. And how much effort is put in by the prosthetics departments and the decorators and the designers, the actors, it is incredible that they can do this every year. This was the 29th year. So next year, I'm a thousand percent going. It's the 30th anniversary. It's going to be a banger. Um, It is really something to be surrounded by the thing that you so passionately care about. And, you know, they have two different parks, right? So they have Islands of Adventure, which is a lot of like the Marvel stuff, Jurassic Park. um, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter is there so it's a lot of that kind of those franchises right so that's the park technically like on the left and then it's connected by universal city walk which is kind of like disney springs or downtown disney um CityWalk city walk is very much you know it's kind of just like stores and, and fronts and restaurants and it's free to go there it's free to go to city walk but they connect the two parks and it's also the entrance to both parks and then on the right side on the other side of the little lake thing is Universal Studios Florida so that's actually Universal Studios. Um that is the park that they turn into Halloween horror nights. There, what they do is so the gates open at six, but they actually open at five uh, I guess it was like five thirty. like you can get there at five thirty and then six o'clock the gates will open. so everybody's standing there. Um, A lot of people there, and at that point, it's early October, so the sun is still out. Because remember, in October, the sun is out until like seven, seven thirty, until about the second-ish week of October. Then all of a sudden, it's black at four p.m. You know, which is my life. That's that's what I want always and forever, just darkness. It's beautiful that way, really. So you're standing there in the Florida fucking heat. And it. I wish we could honestly move Universal to, I mean, Pittsburgh, that would be cool. But, you know, I know why it's there, but it's just so goddamn hot. So you're waiting there. um, And then, like, the music comes on. Everybody gets hyped and shit. And then, you know, a little thing happens, whatever. Gates open. And it's really interesting, the change of atmosphere between the first, like, hour you're there or you know the first 10 minutes you're there or whatever until like an hour and a half later so they have a bunch of different rides open and then they have the entire park has different sections in it right so let's say you're going from section A to section B in between those sections there'll be an entire part where maybe there's like undead viking part or like a clown part or you know a western part or something like that um and it really was amazing seeing just i mean truly the effort that went into not even just you know the the houses but the things in between the houses right so those areas that i'm talking about where there was a, whenever you first walk in the first thing you're greeted with if you walk straight was basically the street front it was redecorated and redesigned it was called an arcade um where it's just kind of like this off the wall like neon light people with like on stilts like all dressed up and shit um with like arcade machines on the side and it was really interesting because it's like it's just a really weird concept right um but how it's executed and um you know the actors that they have there for it so when you walk in right off the bat you're pretty much met by like the chainsaw people and then they end up trans basically transplanting themselves later into the park to other areas. Um, and there are a lot of them. Uh so there was an arcade, there was a place <laughs> with with this like three uh porta-potty area, but the porta potties weren't used for us. It was like, you know, you'd go up to it and open it, and like some dude would like run out or something like that, you know, in his full prosthetic like zombie makeup and shit. Um and it was it was really cool rob zombie had a whole thing there and of course rob zombies part had like you know v- minute you know women with very little dress on um a lot of leather a lot of fire a lot of rob zombie you know black and death metal in the background um But it was fucking cool because it was very much in his vein, and you could tell that he kind of had input in what was, you know, what was there. And the character designs that they had in, let's say, Rob Zombie's part was like, there was this big, imagine if the Tin Man was like really distorted and had like a really big head. And I don't want to say steampunk is the word, but it was like black metal steam. It was really interesting, but they had somebody like that, you know, they had a Tin Man kind of looking thing there. Um, but it was all like you know deformed and and injected with horror and it was really really interesting and it was just cool going around to all the different sections so there were a lot of houses too um, some of the houses were based on their franchises so there was one let's say killer clowns from outer space was there if you haven't seen that it's definitely a cult classic film um I don't I feel like a lot of people I know probably have not seen it and you will either like it or you will not there's not a lot of in between with it um but it was a really well done house and if you know I think what they do well here is it makes you feel like you're in the franchise really and they have the power to do it because they have the money and the ownership of said franchises and like the prosthetics behind it and stuff like that so it's really interesting it's like you're being transported into these you know these films and these parts Um, so there was a killer clowns from outer space house that was incredible. There was an us house, which was really good. I wouldn't say it was the scariest house, but it felt like you were in the movie. And then you got to this last room where you turn to, you don't know what's the last room, but if you know the movie, I guess you could guess that. But when you turn, it's all fog and it's really, really dark. And the only thing you can see is the room that you are like going to walk through is completely lined on both sides so surrounding you but f- along the wall with either dummies and or actors all wearing like orange jumpsuits so just like kind of from the movie right at the end of the movie um but you turn into the room and you think you're like going to get out of it and you turn into the room and you just see this r- very dark room with just enough light to see that there are just the walls, which only have like six or seven feet between them. So you have to walk between them are aligned with either real or fake people. And I was not cool with that, man. That was not OK. Universal, um, you know, it was like heart attack city. So us was cool (laughs) and um, right next to us there was a Yeti maze which was like you know just Universal's own thing. It wasn't necessarily based on a franchise. It was just the Yeti maze and it was really cool because it was definitely a lot colder in there and it felt like you were in this you know. You know, winter Alaskan, like frontier or something like that, or in the mountains where it's just white with busted up cabins and stuff like that, and these big ass yetis all over the place. Uh, that was very cool, that was underrated. And then right next to us was Stranger Things, so it went through the three, um, it went through the basically the three seasons, and one of the last rooms was you basically walking through. What would have been Starcourt Mall from Season 3 with the Mind Flayer, which was rad. It was so cool. It was really, it was very large. And, you know, you can look up, like, Mind Flayer Season 3 so you can see what it looked like. Like, in Starcourt Mall, you just Google it. That's pretty much what it looked like. I would say that that's pretty much accurate to what it looked like in real life. And it was very cool how they did it and the amount of time that went into the Stranger Things, and that was by far the most popular maze, like without question, that was the most popular house. I don't think that's surprising. I think it was not the scariest house. It was cool without question. It was cool, um, but it was for sure the and probably unsurprisingly, the definitely the busiest house. Um, the wait was without fast pass the wait was probably or express pass it was probably 70 minutes 75 80 minutes wait so it was a pretty long wait um other houses so they had a universal monsters house which was basically fr- you know everything that they own so mask of the Fa- you know um what's it called um what is the Broadway show with the guy with half a face well they had Dracula they had you know like the mummy there they had the wolf man which was sick Um, they had swamp thing or you know like ace you know a swamp thing as a creature from the Black Lagoon is what it was Um, but it was just really really cool man it was all in all the different sets in the house basically went through the different you know Thing, So you started off and it kind of went through um, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And then it kind of went to um, Phantom of the Opera. It was kind of like that situation. It was just really cool. And you go through the different things. Bell Tower here. um, Jekyll and Hyde thing here. Um, Super cool. And then there were a few other houses. So there was one. It was like a Spartan kind of based house that was neat um then there was a i forget what it was called but it was kind of like uh it was called uh depths depths of fear and it was pretty much a house wherein like you were in this uh like science facility kind of and this creature kind of broke out right so that creature is throughout the throughout the house um and it's that was very cool cuz there were a lot of water features in it and it felt very much like this thing had escaped right so it was cool going through that then there was a graveyard one which was the worst house the subreddit for halloween horror night seems to disagree Cody and I both thought it was a, not it wasn't even like a bad house it was just like the graveyard one i think it was because the other houses honestly were very good so the graveyard one kind of felt like maybe phoned in is the word but i don't know you know i would go through it again if i went back down but whenever we went the second night we did not do that house in particular again that was the one house that we didn't do again or, or for the first time you know because we had already done it the first night so there was i'm trying to think of the other houses there were just so many um the best house the de- the best house I think, period, was the House of a Thousand Corpses maze, which was based on Rob Zombie's film, House of a Thousand Corpses. It was very accurate to the movie, to the film, and felt very much like Rob Zombie had designed the maze to go through. (laughs) Like It was like you were in the movie. And if you've seen House of a Thousand Corpses, it's very there are a lot of like quick cuts and a lot of like crazy like you know stretched guitar noises and like it's just funky dude house of a thousand corpses is very strange and it was rob zombie's first like feature length movie so he was kind of an amateur filmmaker at that point and He's admitted to it a few different times that he, you know, he learned a lot from the movie, but you can tell when you're watching it, it really was not an experienced person making it. Now, I think it's aged better than he gives you credit for it, to be honest. Um, it's not as good as Devil's Rejects, and I have not yet seen, um, what the hell is it called? Three from Hell. I have not seen Three from Hell, which is the end of the trilogy. Um, Devil's Rejects is a masterpiece. Three from Hell, I, I've heard is not as good as Devil's Rejects, but it's maybe better than House. I don't know. But the House of a Thousand Corpses maze was really something. And it was the whole time through it, both times we did it twice. The first time, it was the very first house we went to because it was the one we were most excited about. And we thought it was going to be the busiest. So when we got there, we did it, and there was still daylight and stuff like that. And We went through it and Cody and I were both like, what the fuck just happened? Like the last six minutes of our lives were bizarre. It was so crazy. And it was, i you know, I'm very rarely startled. It was just such a wild fucking ride through this very startling house. And... I really hope they either do, can do something again next year or keep Rob Zombie around to do something related to his film because House of a Thousand Corpses was probably the best maze I've been through, period, anywhere for a horror house. Excuse me. It was so cool. And you can look up, you know, if you look up House of a Thousand Corpses, you can find my Instagram or anything like that. You can see some of the pictures from it. But it starts with you basically going through Captain Spaulding's gas station, RAP Sid Haig, by the way. Um, man, what a guy. Captain Spaulding is a horror icon. Um, but it start you basically start through just like you do in House of a Thousand Corpses, the movie, where you start through Captain Spaulding's gas, you know, gas station and fried chicken. You know, it's a gas station that serves the best fried chicken. Uh, and it's wild it is so wild Um, not everybody will like it I don't think but it is a movie that I look back on fondly and being able to go through it in real life was very frightening and really um, I think kind of bolstered how I felt about the movie going into it maybe so I always kind of you know I always kind of liked House of a Thousand Corpses, knew it wasn't really good, but it maybe holds a place in my heart because it is it is wild at times. And there's a lot of stuff in it that I think is done very well. And um, going through the real thing kind of made me appreciate a little bit more, I think, what Rob Zombie was able to do in his first movie. Right. There was just a lot of stuff that I probably could have, you know, that I would have, maybe recommended changing in the movie, but for what it is, I think it's an absolute cult classic and having, you know, universal make a house entirely based on his film was really something and Corey, or I'm sorry, Corey, Cody and I both really, really liked it. It was incredible. It was the best house for sure. Without question, it was the best house in our opinion. Um, the food was very good at halloween horror nights so they had elotes which is just mexican street corn um which is basically just like a i mean victoria can describe it to you but it's basically like a, a salty corn with like like this mexican butter on it and like it i mean it's it's something there's like peppercorn flakes on it and shit. it's fucking so good it's so good i got that twice of course, because why wouldn't I? Right? Um, there's like a little Italian place that was a little reprieve from Halloween horror nights. You know, that is just like you know one of the Italian like restaurants that would be open when studio when Halloween or when Universal Studios is open in the daytime. It's like one of those restaurants, right? that's just themed on Halloween or Italian, Italy. And uh, we went there for dinner the first night we were there, and that was something. Um, that was neat. And it wasn't bad at all but the food was the food was pretty good i would say and i would say just as kind of maybe a little off branch that the day that we did in between at we went to we decided to go to universal studios i'm sorry um hollywood studios disney's hollywood studios in between so we did the first night was universal horror nights the second night day was hollywood studios disney and then the third night we went back to universal for horror nights again but we did the express pass the second night um at universal and let me tell you the express pass is 129 the ticket itself is only 86 dollars. it's more to skip lines than it is to actually go to the park it is worth every cent and i would pay for it twice over so when i go again next year without question the express pass is going to be a part of my life again. You get to skip basically through all of the lines and if most you wait 10 10 minutes on a th- something that otherwise would be an 85 minute wait. But usually we just walked right in. Oh, $130 was a a steal on it. Incredible. Absolutely worth it. Um but that second day when we went to Hollywood Studios, there was a lot of cool stuff at Hollywood Studios, like the Toy Story part of the park was really rad. And the um, the new Star Wars, the whole Star Wars part they put on was fucking crazy. Um, it was really detailed and it was very interesting and they had a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, and then you have your classics like... Um, rock and roller coaster and you have tower of terror which cody didn't know was going to drop it was hilarious because he was like wait is this going to drop and like two seconds later it fell it was awesome but i would say that i don't know if something had maybe changed because i haven't been to disney in so long if you if you gave me 200 and said you can use this 200 to go to Hollywood Studios slash Disney or Universal, I'm going to Universal. Maybe ten out of ten times. I don't know if something changed and it's just that now, you know, Universal has more to offer as an adult. Um, I should also add as well that Universal, the the Harry Potter stuff, because I know some people are really interested in it, the Harry Potter stuff's broken up into the two parts. so. Islands of Adventure, which was not open for Horror Nights, has the Wizarding World, which is the castle and stuff like that, right? Um, and like the dragon roller coaster. The other part at Universal Studios has Diagon Alley. And it has like the bank and the ride in the bank, which is basically like a roller coaster 3D thing or 4D experience, which is rare, you know, very, very cool. And again, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. I actually like it the i actually like the films and i know a decent bit about the lore i just don't you know i don't really fuck with it all that hard um but that was really cool i mean the harry potter stuff was very very well done and it was one of the i think one of the best parts of the park actually if i went back that i would go there for sure like it's one of the first things to do um and the Butterbeer, which was very good, which was here, I'll I'll save all of you guys the trip to Universal. Go to Giant Eagle or Target and buy yourself IBC cream soda. That's what it is. That's what Butterbeer is. It's straight up cream soda in a beer mug. That's, you're welcome. I just, you know, I just saved you $1,300. So, you know, you can pay me back later. Um, but it was really good. But yeah, like I was saying, that Express Pass was worth, I mean, every bit. But I, I do think now, um, I'd like to go to Epcot again because that is my favorite Disney park. I probably, after going to Hollywood Studios, I think, you know, thinking back in retrospect, I probably like Epcot maybe the most. But Epcot's, Epcot is very much just a walking around, um, kind of looking at things park. They have stuff to do, obviously. It's the prettiest of the Disney parks, I think. Hollywood Studios is a lot smaller than I remember. um, and there's a lot of like character meet and greet and shit like that, which I don't care about, right? So Epcot might be the move if I go back into the future, get it back to the future. Oh, got him. <laughs> uh, but I, I you know, I think Epcot is probably the move for Disney and in the future. Or when I go back again to Orlando, which again, I would like to make this an every year thing for Universal's Horror Nights. Um, honestly, I might just skip Disney entirely. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll do like I did this time and do three days, the first day, second day, third day. Um, and I would go to Universal twice for sure. I would do Horror Nights. I think, well, gosh, I don't know about that actually, because I don't want to pay for the Express Pass twice for two nights, you know? I don't know. I'll think about this next year, but that middle day maybe I would do Epcot. I think that might be the park that I would do if I had to pick between the Disney parks again. Definitely not Animal Kingdom dude. Animal Kingdom sucks. That's the park you go to and it's like it's been a running joke for a long time, but it's really not a joke like everyone does it. You don't go to Animal Kingdom all day. You for sure go in the morning and then you're done in 3 hours because you did Expedition Everest 12 times and that's all you went there to do. You can look at animals, but you don't you didn't go to Disney to pay for a zoo. You know, so maybe I'm a little unfair about it, but I really feel like Animal Kingdom's for sure the park that you're like, eh, eh. You know, maybe maybe skip this today, mom. You know, I can say that because that's how my mom felt too. I think whenever we used to go to, <laughs> when we used to go to Disney as a as a family unit, that was always the uh, the one park that we'd get through done. You know, we get through very very quickly we've done the rest of the day so we have to go to Disney Springs instead and I don't really do the water parks like anymore I'm not really a fan of like water anymore <laughs> if that if that happens to you with age I don't really know I used to like water parks and now I'm kind of like you know I'd rather not float in you know Timmy's feces and maybe some people want to and I don't I don't think so I know I definitely don't I'm not really into that and I don't you know I don't want to slide down and You know, tear my back up if there's no water on one of the slides or something. You don't know. Craziness happens at those parks. But I'm not really interested in water parks anymore. So I don't know. But I would say if you are a fan of horror and you can put aside a cheap plane ticket to Orlando for like Southwest or something like that. I mean, seriously, if you can put aside aside a few bucks, right, and go to Halloween Horror Nights, I'm telling you, it is fucking great. It is so cool to see how much effort and time is put into this shit and i feel treated to have been able to go i think cody and i kind of both feel that way in that there's just so much to look at and see and and appreciate that it almost it feels like while you're there you think if you're a fan of not even necessarily just horror if you're a fan of people putting time and passion into something and then being at this thing and being like, wow, yeah, this is a huge tourist trap, which it is. But you see how much universal and the people that work on this for a month and a half, like all year, they prep for this one month and a half. Right. And whenever you get to see it, I think you really appreciate it for what it is. And Some of the franchises, they change year to year. So sometimes the parks will, you know, the houses and mazes will change around. And I'm excited to see what they do next year. And without question, I'm going to go back, probably with maybe a bigger group. Um, But Cody and I both very much felt a certain way about it. And, you know, again, I don't want to speak for him, but I think we both really had a great, great time. And we very much appreciate Universal putting as much effort and talent and you know, blood and sweat and tears into making it what it is, which is a remarkable experience. All right, guys. That, uh, I also went to Las Vegas. I don't really want to talk about that, but I went to Las Vegas. It was cool. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on, I think, to some recent films. It Chapter 2. I saw it whenever it came out, so I am definitely a little bit behind in actually getting back to you guys. You have probably already seen the movie. I'm not going to really spoil it at all if you haven't. Um, I'll keep this pretty pretty simple. Um, It Chapter 2 was not as good as Chapter 1, and parts were very, very well done. And I had a blast with it. I still really enjoyed the movie. I did. So believe me, I'm not taking anything away from what um, Andy Muschietti did as a director or what Bill Hader did or anybody that was involved in it. Um, Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise. He just is. Um, I very much... I love Tim Curry. His rendition of Pennywise is very, very different than Skarsgård. Or I should say, rather, Bill's is very different than Tim's. I prefer Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise in that it is not necessarily a joke, Um, Tim's kind of was. It was more jokey. And it was a different vibe of a movie. It just was. You might not have seen the original It or the new It's. Um, The book's very long. The book is long as fuck. (laughs) It is... You know. I think it was very well done. It Chapter 2. It was shot very well. I think some complaints maybe. And this isn't really a spoiler. It's all in the trailers. once the kids kind of separate and do their own things for a little bit, I actually think the movie slows down maybe a bit. I don't think that crab slash spider Pennywise is nearly as cool as it could have been. It was cool to see it, but it wasn't, you know, it was Pennywise with a big head in a crab body or spider body, whatever. Um, I was okay. The set design was very, very cool. And there were a lot of parts in it that I think like Jessica Chastain's part in the apartment, which again is not, <laughs> is not a spoiler because it was in the fucking trailer, the first trailer, um, which that's something on another side. Trailers need to stop. Trailers are giving too much away and I'm kind of not even wanting to watch trailers anymore because I don't trust that they're not going to kill the movie for me. Um, but her part was very cool. Everybody had a cool part. I would say I think after seeing the movie, maybe, it's just that the first one was so good. Like, 20, I think it was 2017. It, 2017, was so well done that it was hard to live up to that expectation. Um, I'll say that it made a lot of money, not as much as the first one. It never does, though, right? And, again... Bill's performance as Pennywise is the highlight of the film, I think, without question, with zero doubt. I'd like maybe, and I very rarely say this, I think that this universe has the potential to be explored further in which may not already be in the book. So I think that it would be possible to do a prequel to the it story and do a entire, maybe, you know, a film or two based on Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise. And I'm emphasizing his Pennywise because if they recast it and fuck it all up, I could see the prequel going very poorly, but if they could get Andy on board to direct again and have Bill come back as Pennywise and specifically do other stories pre- you know, maybe just do pre the, the current kids or adults in dairy. I think that could be very well done and maybe interesting. And again, you guys, if you know me, you know I'm not like about prequels and like sequels. And I want good film to stand alone on itself. Right. I don't necessarily think you have to expand into everything. I think in this case, um, it has maybe earned that. Like, I think that it's made enough money to where people would absolutely go see a Pennywise movie, and I'm sure they would just call it The Clown or Pennywise or something like that. But I think, and to be honest with you, I could see it happening anyway, and it might come out and be terrible. If I had to guess, there'll be a, there'll, there will be a prequel at some point is my assumption, or they'll go on beyond it, chapter two. I don't know. But if they do a prequel with it, I think that it could be very well done. And I think it's something to consider. And I don't always say that about horror, but I think that they could probably get away with it and it not be terrible. Or it would be. And who knows? And you can come back to this podcast and you can say, Sean, you fucked up. You gave them the idea. Well, you know, I gave some advice, but I think it would be possible to do that. Well, just something to keep in mind. Uh, I liked It Chapter 2, though. I think it was probably like a seven and a half. It Chapter 1 was probably an eight. I can't do a seven and a half if that's an eight. It Chapter 2 is probably a seven. Um, There's at least a point difference between It 1 and 2 for sure. Um, And again, it was not a bad film at all. And if you saw it, you probably liked it. I liked it. It was just not the first one when your expectations... Sorry, guys. It's also raining very heavy. You might be able to hear it in the background. But what can I do, right? Can't stop it. I'll put a tarp over my house, maybe. Um, so, It Chapter 2, good. Probably a seven. I would say seven. seven. Um, now, around the same time, I also saw scary stories to tell in the dark, which are based on the books. And I read the books growing up uh, many, many times. Probably upwards of 50 times each. Um it was interesting seeing the film was, is okay. You know, it was, I, it was like a six. Yeah, it was like a six probably, but it was interesting because the best part of the, of the movie, I think were actually the character designs from what I remember in the book. Um, so like the monster designs, were very interesting and it was cool seeing it kind of come to life. Um, I don't know if I'll buy the movie. I think it's available now. I don't know if I would buy the movie. I would probably watch it again. And again, it was one of those things where it's a PG-13 horror movie coming out in September. Look, it wasn't going to win an award. And quite honestly, the books are so fucking good that... Your expectations might be a little high going into something like that. But you have to temper that kind of stuff. Especially a PG-13 horror in September. You have to expect the worst. So when it's not the worst, you can be pleasantly surprised. I expected the worst, so I'm kind of surprised at how much I didn't dislike it. It There's probably, again, five and a half, six. It Chapter 2 is definitely better and more successful. But it was very cool seeing the monsters that I read growing up on a real screen right in front of me. You know, like tangible monsters. It was very, very neat. So I would say if you could rent it for a dollar or two, it's probably worth renting. Um, The kids, the actors, are the worst part of it, I think, which is unfortunate because it's like the whole, you know, thing kind of revolves around them. Um, But I find that I struggle with child actors more often than not, so I just could be harder, honestly on them than what they deserve. They're kid actors, what are you gonna do? Um I don't know. I would say it's probably worth seeing if you can rent it for like two bucks. Don't buy it for $15. It's you know, you can get it for five bucks on Black Friday. That might be worth a buy. I'd probably buy it then actually, but I'm definitely not gonna buy it at 20 bucks. Um there the next two movies change my demeanor so drastically. So let me get into position for these two movies. Um, Joker was an experience of which I felt like I didn't, I haven't had since I saw Mad Max Fury Road in that I, was sitting there thinking to myself while I was watching Joker, this will go down as one of my favorite movies, a period of all time. It's probably sitting in top 10 right now, maybe top five. When they announced a Joker origin story, I rolled my fucking eyes. And I talked to my friends about it, and Joe and I were like, what the fuck? Why do we need an origin of the Joker, who does not have one? He doesn't have a name. His name's not Arthur Fleck. Ba-ba-ba, all that shit, right? Joker was so unsettling and disturbing and made you so uncomfortable that I think very few film. Very few, I would say, mediums have so expressed a character in a way that made you understand, maybe empathize, and absolutely – I don't think hates the word, but the disgust that you could have for a character – Very few mediums have done that in such a way that Joker did. If that makes sense. Joaquin Phoenix will win an Oscar or he'll be nominated, should win. Um, It was Todd Phillips directed the shit out of it. And there's not a single thing about Joker that I would change. I think every... Frame is perfect. I think all the dialogue is perfect. And you really have, so in all of cinema and comics and everything, there are, I think, two characters, maybe three, probably two, that almost anybody could look at. Like, Maybe grandma could look at it. Your little brother could look at it. Whatever. And if you point to these two people, they will know who they are. One is Darth Vader. The other is the Joker. I would say to an extent Jason Voorhees as well. Maybe Jason. But they... Often will confuse the names and they'll call him like Michael or Freddie or whoever, but they know who they're talking about, right? The guy in the hockey mask. But I would say, as far as like a like a villain goes, I think generally Darth Vader and the Joker are the two big ones that almost anybody can look at in pop culture history and be like, ah, I know who that person is, right? They could say a clown, but then if you not you know nudge them in the right direction, say, Oh, Batman," they'll be like, "Oh, Joker," right? And then Darth Vader is, is one far and away, probably the most recognizable. And using a character like that can really go one of two ways, right? It's either going to go really, really well or it's going to be a catastrophe. And uh, Warner Brothers does not have the best track record with DC Comics. So I didn't expect to get the movie that I did. And I would say that if you have not seen it, see it now. Just stop listening to me and find your showtime and go see Joker. Just go. It is now the most successful R-rated movie of all time. At launch, R-rated movie of all time, Joker. That's Fucking insane. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think everybody knew it was going to be successful. It is, and again, I'm going to say it again because of how big of a deal it is for character pieces in film, especially based on a comic character. The biggest R-rated opening film ever. It's around the billion dollar mark now. That is incredible. It's incredible. And the second is Endgame, and that's for PG13. Like Endgame definitely has more money, but Endgame is the biggest Avengers Endgame is the biggest PG 13 opening of all time. Joker is the biggest R, and that's a character piece that is very gritty and not at all for children in any way joker you should not take your kids to it at all period don't do it it's not don't just don't and i want to emphasize how i think important joker is because logan did something when that came out in kind of you know being able to do a character study on a comic character and then deadpool kind of did the same thing ish in a more jokey way and Joker basically took that to a level with one of the most iconic characters of all time, with one of the best actors, period. Period. And again, I'm telling you, he's either going to win or he will be nominated for Joker. Joaquin is going to get one of the two. Um, It was something that, I just cannot emphasize enough. It was just incredible. You need to see Joker. You just need to see it. And I don't know really what else to say about it. The the music was superb. And it was a perfect film. It was perfect. And towards the end... I'm not going to spoil this for anybody. Towards the end, I got chills in a way that I hadn't in a long time in a movie because it was like my childhood was coming together. Like, I grew up on Batman and DC, and seeing one of my favorite characters become one of my favorite characters in this beautifully directed piece of art in front of my eyeballs was something that I'm not going to forget for a while. And I saw it at Universal with Cody. Um, And I walked out of the theater and I told him that it will go in. As, when we walked out of the theater, I said, it's going to be one of my favorite movies. It's just, it's going to be. And I know it's going to be. And it is going to be a day one purchase for me. And I cannot emphasize to you enough that if you have not seen Joker, to go and see it. Um, I'm going to follow that up with another film that was absolutely wild as fuck. It was wild. The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers. It stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. You remember the guy from Twilight who is actually going to be Batman now and the Batman and David Reeves. Actually, what's his name? I think it's David Reeves. The Batman. Reeves. Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves Batman in like 2021. Um, Robert Pattinson is Batman now, by the way, in case you guys didn't know. The Lighthouse is another A24 movie. A24 being the distribution company that has been putting out gold over the last five years. Um, I mean, just incredible film after incredible film just over and over and over again. And The Lighthouse is the follow-up to Robert Eggers' first movie, The Witch, which is tattooed onto my body. The Lighthouse is so wild. I just don't even know how to describe it. It's all black and white. And it is currently as a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is so strange and very minimal music, but there's a score there. Without question, there's a score there and it's very, very good. Um, but Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson obliterated this movie. It is so good. Um it's funny because I was thinking about 2019 and I was like in this one year The Lighthouse and The Joker if they would have come out in two separate years like one, you know, 2019 2020, let's say they came out one year one year these both would have probably been the best movies of their years and we got the lighthouse and the joker within like a month and a half of each other like i don't understand you know some of you guys i know that you were like maybe movie fans or you know like my neighbors are like legitimate like they work in film and you need to recognize that like this year 2019 was a hitter of a year for film. Like Joker by itself was an enormous movie. Toy Story 4 came out this year. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker comes out in December. Endgame came out. A new Terminator is coming out. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. It Chapter 2 came out. The Lion King came out. Ad Astra came out. Um, Midsummer, Midsummer fucking came out. Midsummer came out. My God, like this was John Wick Chapter Three came out. The Lighthouse came out. Knives um, Out is coming out, which looks very good actually. Knives Out looks excellent. Um, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood came out. Doctor Sleep is coming out. Um, this was a destructive year for film. Like, the amount that came out this year and how often it was good or great. And then there's another tier, which is Magnificent. And we had a few of those films this year. The Lighthouse was one that I am going to watch many, many times again. I'm going to buy it day one. And... It makes me so excited for Robert Eggers' future f- film, kind of, um, what's on his plate, right? So, Nosferatu has been up in the air for him for a while, and the studio basically needs to greenlight it and shit like that. Excuse me, but that's on his plate at some point. Um, I f- believe his next film. He just didn't ask me anything on Reddit the other day, and I believe his next film is not a horror movie. I don't remember what it is. I don't believe it's a horror movie, though. Um, But listen to me. The Lighthouse was so different and so beautifully shot that this was worth the price of admission 10 times over. I would have paid like fifty dollars to see this. If somebody came to me tomorrow and was like, "Would you pay more money to see this movie a second time?" I would. Uh, Victoria and I both loved it, and we've been quoting it since it came out. And if you have the time, I'm recommend. I'm both listen. I'm both recommending and kind of advising, kind of trying to tell you, you need to go and see The Joker. And you need to go and see Lighthouse, the Lighthouse. Let me rephrase that. It's not the Joker. It's go and see Joker and go and see the Lighthouse. Those are the two that you need to see right now. I can't stress it enough. They're that important and culturally significant. And I think a a cool part of it is maybe that I didn't get to grow up in a time where, like, I didn't get to see Jaws in theater. I didn't get to see The Exorcist in theater. I didn't get to see Mad, the original Mad Max in theater. I didn't get to see Planet of the Apes in theater, right? There were a lot of movies that I didn't get to see it, they it, when it came out, like Wayne's World. I didn't get to see that in theater that are culturally significant films. Joker and The Lighthouse will be culturally significant films. Midsummer same. Us, same. There's a lot of movie, there are a lot of films coming out, a lot by A24, that are significant in ways that will transcend you and your popcorn and your Coke. And we were blessed this year with a few of those. So I want to stress to you, they are great films, and immediately, Like four of the movies that I saw this year go into like my top 20 at least. So go see The Lighthouse, go see The Joker. And in The Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe has this dialogue where he doesn't blank once and he did it in one cut. (laughs) It's so good. So I'm telling you guys, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see this shit. For sure without question and those are the th- you know the three four-ish movies I really wanted to talk about um but you're gonna have to go and see this for sure so Joker the lighthouse get off your ass and go see these movies for sure I'll come see him with you I'll come see him again for sure let me know let me know what's up so I don't think there's any other film oh, and then Dr Sleep comes out in like a month, and then Star Wars comes out. I'm definitely going to see both of those. For sure, I'm going to see both. Um, Star Wars actually looks very good. I'm actually pretty hyped for Star Wars. Um, And Doctor Sleep is the sequel, the direct sequel, to The Shining, which is arguably the best horror movie of all time. You could argue it. And it's on many lists as the best. I would say that it is a better film than the exorcist. I don't know how how much more culturally significant it is than the exorcist cuz the exorcist was just so hard hitting so was jaws. Um but as a film I think the shining is I would argue it might be the best probably. Um up there with like silence of the lambs. Um you know, there are a lot but I would say that those two are very significant and maybe like Alien, right? So, I mean, we're about to talk a lot about film, though, and this transitions me right into what, I, what I'm what i about to put a lot of emphasis on here. And you're either going to really love or you're going to hate me for the next 30 minutes because I'm going to go in on a franchise here that I am very familiar with and that I have a decent bit to say about. So stick with me, and we're going to go on the journey um through Halloween. John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween produced by Deborah Hill is one of the, and I'm going to use the term again, most culturally significant and important films of all time. It is the more or less official start of the slasher genre. Um, you can argue Black Christmas. I would say that Black Christmas was the first for sure. But it was, I think, a rough outline or a rougher outline as to you know, picking a horror holiday. And Black Christmas chose, obviously, Christmas. And it was an influence on John Carpenter's decision to make and, you know, create Halloween. But this is what Halloween did. When Jaws came out, people were afraid to go to the beach that summer. What Halloween did... Is and this is what differentiates itself from later slashers too, like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and Chucky and all of that stuff. Um, villains historically, outside of the shark, and there are a lot of parallels to sh- the shark in Jaws. His name is, I think, Bruce. By the way, um, you can make a lot of parallels to Jaws and Halloween. Sharks don't have motivations for doing what they do. And really, they don't attack humans. But when Jaws came around, it was blood in the water and really just a rampant fucking shark, like with rabies or some shit, right? There was no reason for it. It was just this killer shark. And that's really simple as it was. Jason Voorhees kills because his mom tells him to. Um, Freddy Krueger was a child molester that was burned alive by the towns parents Chucky was a serial killer they got you know did a little ritual and ended up in the good guy doll um body Leatherface is a cannibal you know cannibal family Michael Myers was the shark in a small town in Illinois It's pretty much that simple. Um, So in 1978, John Carpenter basically had this idea of a kid, a six-year-old kid that kills his sister with no reason. Just did it. And then kid is said institutionalized. um, That's where you meet his doctor, Samuel Loomis. And all of that shit, right? So, then Michael breaks out. In begins the start of a franchise. Michael Myers does not have a sense of good or evil, or right or wrong, or rudimentary senses of life or death, according to Sam Loomis, his doctor. And in that it creates an interesting character profile that a lot of other franchises don't have because you know the motivation for other killers. Um, You know the motivation for, let's say, in Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. You know his motivation. It's explained to you, right? And Jason Voorhees and all of them. And what you have in Halloween is simply... a a being, not necessarily even a human. And this is the thing that happens to audiences, right? So you have a being that can or cannot die and has no motivation at all in any way and is, according to his doctor and psychologist and psychiatrist, simply exists to exist like is just evil and there's nothing else about him that is of importance and there really is nothing. He kills his sister, goes to the goes to um Smith's Grove Sanitarium and is basically kept there until he breaks out. And it's a very, very interesting character dynamic in that now audiences have a shark where they live, right? So when you see Jaws, you can avoid Jaws in the back of your head by not living basically on what was based on Amity Island. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's You can avoid that shit. By not going to that island. Now later in the Jaws franchise, obviously you can't get away from them either because they go to the fucking Bahamas and the shark follows them. Uh, (laughs) But you could avoid that, right? And now what we have is that shark has been transplanted to Haddonfield, Illinois. A little made up town, obviously. And what scared the shit out of audiences uh, is this is not it didn't look like a scary town it's just a town right with the high school and the normal kids and kids banging and smoking dope and doing their things in the 70s um slash 80s and now all of a sudden this thing comes back to where it grew up And now you have, without any motivation, this land shark just destroying whatever it can, how it feels like it, with no remorse and no reason as to why or how. And that scared the shit out of people. And then you have, on top of that, he gets stabbed in the neck. He gets stabbed in the eye. He gets shot six times out of balcony window and survives. And now you have oh, okay. Is it possible for this thing to exist? Like, megalodons existed for a fucking long time in the ocean. I don't know why that thing existed, right? It's just this big ass shark that eats fucking boats and shit. Why does that need to exist? That sucks, but that was a real thing, like, in real life. So can this thing exist and walk amongst us, and you have no fucking clue who it is, you know, or who they are, but one day that person's just like, yeah, you know, today is the day I'm just gonna butcher my uncle, and there's not really a reason. It's just what it is. And that scared the fuck out of people. So in 78, when Halloween came around, you had John Carpenter with a very, very simple soundtrack that he made on his own. They found a Captain Kirk mask and painted it white, spray painted it white. That's all the Michael Myers mask is. And he steals it from a Halloween, or not even a Halloween store, he steals it, yeah, it's like a hardware store and a Halloween store, so he steals the materials he needs that night to go after Laurie Strode for no reason and her friends um, from the hardware store and steals the mask from a Halloween store. I guess this is the same place. Um, And off starts the franchise. So, Halloween is considered like the godfather of horror. It is the start to what would, that was the kickoff to the countless and endless slashers and monsters and franchises. Halloween basically kicked that shit off. And then what happened was, what happens in, in all film, franchises kicked in for that thing. So Halloween '78, it was shot. If you watch it, it is there's not a colored leaf in sight. They shot it in the middle of the summer. It was like June when they shot that movie. So when you watch it, you're like, oh, you know, this is really just the summer here. It has Halloween vibes. To it's not really, you know, it doesn't really feel like Halloween. Kids look like they're trick or treating at 2:30 p.m. Um, and all of that with the title Halloween. John Carpenter still managed to start this trend and this significant film that will forever change horror. And he did it with a very simple synth keyboard. He did it with a white mask that he and Deborah Hill just found and spray painted. Actually, it wasn't even them that found it. I forget who it was, but it was a guy that um, worked on set that found the mask. And an opening scene with a first-person perspective, which wasn't really done before that. Not well. And then the music kicks on, and what do you see? Just a jack-o'-lantern. Just a jack-o'-lantern, carved jack-o'-lantern with a black screen. With the music in the background, and that's all it is. And it was a very simple, very, very low budget film that has arguably impacted more of horror than any other film. Then we get into Halloween 2, when there needs to be a franchise now for some reason. And Deborah Hill directs, and I believe Deborah Hill directs. Yeah. I'm going to look that up, because I have people listening to this that are Halloween fans like me. And they will be pissed if I got that wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Rick Rosenthal. Deborah Hill directed and wrote it. Again, that's right. Rick Rosenthal. That's my bad. Um, Halloween 2, and then we found out all, all of a sudden, Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. I don't know why that needs to happen, but it happens. And Halloween Two was supposed to be the end. So this is what happened when Halloween was first in when Mike when John Carpenter first thought of this. Every movie was supposed to be a different premise completely. So it was going to be called Halloween, you know, whatever Halloween Fifty Seven, and every movie up through Fifty Seven would be different, or it would even maybe it would have a different title. The problem is, when they came out with Halloween 1978, all of a sudden, they had the popularity of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and Sam Loomis. All of a sudden, they're too deep, based on one film. It did so well and was so popular and so influential on the general public that they had to do another one and hopefully just wrap it up because they didn't want to continue with this story. So they do Halloween 2. Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. Sam Loomis is still looking for him. Lori's in the hospital. Michael got away at the end of the first one. Whatever. So he goes to the hospital. The whole thing is spent in the hospital. It's really not a bad film at all. Um, I believe Michael Myers is played by Dick Warlock. And it was, everybody says the mask is the same as the first one. I kind of, I think the mask looks different personally, or it could just be the lighting. I don't know. Um, It's not bad at all. He's just not Nick Castle. Nick Castle was the shape. He was Michael Myers. And Dick Warlock is a fine Michael Myers. I think it's just not necessarily the same. But Halloween 2, which came out in 81, so it came out three years after seventy-eight. Halloween 2 was supposed to end everything. And it ends with Sam Loomis saving Laurie and blowing up himself and Michael Myers. And this is after Michael's been shot twice in the eyes. Michael walks out on fl- in flames, falls over, shows the mask burning. Michael Myers done. Franchise over. Sweet. No problems. Right? Franchise is done. I have no problem with that. The problem comes next. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, comes out in 1982. It comes out one year after Halloween 2 does. Going into Halloween 3, which has the same name as the other ones, it just says Season of the Witch on it, what do you think people expect? Michael Myers, probably, and maybe Laurie Strode. And what did they get? They get a what is now a cult classic and is one of my favorite movies in the franchise. They get a movie with... A killer Halloween company, basically. Killer Halloween corporation with masks that fuck up all the kids that are in the masks. I think it's dope as shit. I think that's so cool. And everybody fucking hated this movie. Everyone hated it so much. And it wasn't even because of the movie. It was because it was called Halloween 3. It should have just been called Season of the Witch. It shouldn't have been called Halloween 3. But it was, so everybody fucking hated it. And that's 1982. So now, we are getting into the swing of slashers of the 80s. So we are now getting into Nightmare on Elm Street. We're now getting into Friday the 13th. We're getting into heavy hitters. And Michael Myers is dead. Halloween 2. He's gone. 81. he that, It's over. So now Michael Myers is not one of those big, Guys anymore, right? So, Halloween three fucking bombs. Everyone hates it, hates the shit out of it. I really like it a lot. I think, um, I think it's an overall pretty good movie. Tom Atkins is great as the protagonist. Great. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace directed it. It, I mean, it didn't do very well opening or anything like that. But, um, I really like Halloween three: Season of the Witch, and I'm actually probably gonna watch it today. So what happens after Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? And it does so bad, and everybody fucking hates this movie. What do they need to do? Well, they do what anybody would have done. Halloween 4 comes out in 1988. I'm going to say that again. That was a six-year gap between 1982 and 1988. So Michael Myers went away for quite some time. For six years, there was a gap where other things filled the void. Friday was coming out almost every year. Nightmare was popular. Um, Hellraiser was around but never really started that kind of popularity. And Hellraiser might have been even a little bit later. Um, But Hellraiser never had the same popularity as a Halloween or Friday the 13th. So Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, comes out in 1988. And this is one of my favorite in the franchise. Surprisingly, and I think a lot of it has to do with... It is directed very well. Dwight Little directs it. The set design is the first time it feels like Halloween. Halloween. Um, the opening sequence is very eerie and uneasy. And there's just a drone in the background, you know, um, but it's showing this farm and it's panning around all the different kind of Halloween decorations, but it's very out there. It's not, you know, a popular, it's just, it's a farm. And the eeriness behind its opening scene, um, really makes you kind of feel a certain way and then it kicks off and here's kind of where the problem starts the music is good i actually like the story about it a lot um george wilbur is michael myers he returns in halloween six as well but george wilbur is michael myers in halloween four and daniel danielle harris is jamie who is we're gonna make it complicated who is michael myers's niece why the whole family dynamic comes into it, I don't fucking know. And I can't explain it. I've seen this movie a lot and I still don't necessarily think it has to be the case, but it, you know, that's how they connected shit. So it is what it is now. The music is great. The set design is great. The direction is great. There are a lot of very, very memorable pieces in this. Sam Loomis has a piece in here with a reverend. Um, After Michael escapes and blows up a gas station. Um, he has this scene in this car with this reverend, and they're talking about, you know, searching for evil. And it's very interesting because you get to see Sam Loomis looking at this reverend talking the same way he does about Michael Myers. But the reverend's talking about it and, like, searching for, you know, damnation and the truth. He's like, you want it, ain't ya? Like, he's talking to him just like Sam is talks to other people about Michael Myers. So he kind of gets to see himself in that. And it's very, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I mean, it's very well done. It's very interesting. So the problem with Halloween 4, and unfortunately, this is really a problem. It's like the main problem, is Michael Myers. His George Wilbur is a fine Michael. The design of Michael sucks. His mask is too smooth. And. It looks like he has like shoulder pads. It's so weird. Like it looks like they like buffed him up. Not even buffed him up. It's just very strange. He looks puffy. He looks very puffy. And it's funny because the actual mask on the cover of the DVD and stuff. That's like the original mask. That's what it looks like. It looks great. Um. And if you've seen one of the Halloween shirts that I wear, where, like, I'm wearing it right now, where the whole front of the shirt is, like, half of his mask, that's the mask that's on the front of the Halloween 4 cover. This mask is not the mask that they use in the movie, which I don't understand. The one that they use in the movie is, like, really smooth and weird. Um, And it sucks, because, like... There's so much good about Halloween Four. I mean, good. Like this is arguably the second best movie in the franchise, except Michael. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Um, and then there's a part where, like, they you could very clearly see some edits, and they went back in, and there's one part in a school where Michael throws Doctor Loomis, and Michael's mm-hmm. hair is blonde like the mask that they gave him in that scene literally is just michael it's michael's mask with blonde hair i can't just i don't know why i didn't make these decisions um but it's very weird and frustrating cuz you know that there's so much goddamn potential and the movie again is worth watching i'm going to watch halloween 4 today for sure i'm going to because it's halloween but it's the guy that you're there to see after taking a six-year hiatus is like the most disappointing part of the movie. That's like if John if there's like a five-year gap between John Wicks and when John Wick 4 comes out and Keanu Reeves isn't attached to it and it's Nicolas Cage. You're like, what the fuck is this? It's like, is this is this Con Air? Is this is this national treasure? Is this face off? No like and like i said maybe the set design in john wick four is really good maybe the gun battles are the same and maybe nicholas cage pulls off a damn good john wick but he's still not keanu reeves right and that's kind of how this feels like halloween one and two were so good three took a break and everyone hated it i don't like it and then Halloween four comes back. Bam! Here's Michael Myers. Here's this. Here's it's in the middle of October. There's mad leaves everywhere. Fucking kids be trick-or-treating and shit. Michael's blowing up gas stations. Like he's all burned to shit. Oh, and that's something too. He survives the burning from Halloween two, where he's completely burned alive. They had to bring him back somehow. So he's been in Smith's Grove, the place that he broke out of the first time in 1978. He's fucking back there. yeah this is one of those movies man i like it and i'm going to watch it today and it absolutely deserves higher than the 30 percent it has because i'm telling you like the some of the scenes in it are great and this is really the first time you get to see like strong ass michael Meyer like crushing skulls and shit like that um he straight up impales a bitch through the wall with a fucking shotgun dude He doesn't even shoot her. Michael Myers has a gun. Finally, Michael has a gun, and what does he do? He stabs somebody through a wall and pins them up. Incredible. Great. That's awesome, man. There's just so much good about this film, and then goddamn Michael is the fucking worst thing. But not as bad as this. And I know that transition was smooth, Halloween 5, one of my least favorite in the franchises, possibly my least favorite, maybe my least favorite. Halloween 5, and this is the thing, Halloween 4 came out in 88. Halloween 5 came out in 1989. Now specifically, it between the time production started, like, the money came off the ground and everything, and they started making Halloween 5 until the time it released was less than, like, nine months. Listen to me. You cannot make a good film in that time span. You just can't. It does not happen. It's ne- It historically never happens. Well, they tried it with Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers and at this point they're just milking the shit out of this. Halloween 4 should have ended it. It should have. And they kind of did end it at the end. They kind of did. Halloween 5 has the balls to say nope. Nope. It didn't it didn't happen the way you thought it did. Okay. And now there's like Michael Myers, who's now played by Don Shanks, who never gets the Michael Myers walk or the knife thing, right? He's always holding the knife. It's so funny, if you think I'm making this up, Google Halloween Five. And in the images that Google shows you, two of them are Michael standing there holding a knife like up by his neck. He's never done this before. He doesn't just creep around holding his knife up by next to his ears. It's so weird and frustrating. The mask is not anywhere remotely close to the other masks. It's 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 not. It doesn't at all look like it. And it's I think one of the lazy. It's definitely one of the laziest of the franchise. It's pro- it might be the laziest actually. Um, Halloween Five is basically about Michael Myers has this tele telepathic connection with his niece Jamie who's still alive surprise and not a spoiler because it's a franchise now um Danielle Harris is still around trying to keep this shit afloat and she's a young child actor so good for her Loomis is fucking crazy in this um and it is just the music sucks the set design sucks um the Myers house is like this big purple looking house, like a purple or a blue house. Like it doesn't even remotely look like the original house, like not even close. It's just so fucking disappointing. And Michael looks weird. And there's a scene at the end ish where Michael's in his room and takes off his mask and cries, like it shows tears coming out of his eyes to his niece. Dude. Okay. So we went from a a shark on land with no motivation for doing what it does to Halloween 5 where Don Shanks is now crying to his knees in the attic of a house that is not the Myers house with a coffin in the attic Which, again, which in the attic, which is not in the right house. And he's crying. I'm like, dude, what the fuck am I watching? Dude, and you know how this ends? I don't even think this is a spoiler. This is so stupid. If you haven't seen this by now, I'm going to ruin this. This is so dumb. At the end, he gets, Michael Myers gets tricked and gets, like, a big heavy chain link thing fall from the ceiling And what does Donald Pleasance do? What does Sam Loomis do to incapacitate Michael? Do you think he uses the gun in his hand? No. He gets a plank of wood. And I mean, and at this point, Sam Loomis, I mean, this man is like 400 years old. He's standing there beating the hell out of Michael with this big wooden plank. This old man is just hitting this mass murder and it's so bad it's so embarrassing like this is you this is pretty much when the franchise like fell apart halloween 5 i think is like just maybe the worst part of the franchise and they kill off one of the main characters from halloween 4 so you're watching halloween 4 like wow they're doing a good job escaping all that wow they survived everything halloween 5 they killed a bitch in the first 25 minutes you're like what Yeah, it's crazy, dude. And I don't really want to talk about Halloween 5 anymore. It bums me out. So we're going to move on to Halloween 6 right now. Halloween 6. Oh, here we go. You thought this shit went off the rails on Halloween 5? Oh, my God. Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Okay. All right. So here's the thing about Halloween 6 now. Halloween 6... George Wilbur is back as Michael Myers. The mask is still stupid. It looks like clay, but it's better, I guess, than the Halloween Five mask. I think it looks scarier. Let me put it that way. I think it looks scarier in this movie than Halloween Five for sure. And I think he looks better than Halloween Four. Um, this movie makes no fucking sense. So this is this is how you have to enjoy this movie. I actually like watching Halloween 6 because it's entertaining as hell. The Curse of Michael Myers is so entertaining. If, big if, you accept it as just a slasher and you can throw out the story that they're trying to push. The story in Halloween 5 and 6 is dog shit. It's so bad. And Halloween 6 makes so little sense. It's actually if you're going into this, watching it for the story, you will hate this movie so much. If you want to go into this and you just want to see Michael Myers destroy everybody, it's pretty fun. I think you can have a lot of fun with it. Um, So the story is just an abomination. It's so bad. And this is Paul Rudd's, first feature length movie as Tommy Doyle. So in the first movie, Tommy Doyle is the kid that Lori Strode is babysitting Halloween six. Tommy Doyle is a full grown man who lives across the street and is Paul Rudd. Who has like studied Michael this whole, this whole time. Now, apparently there is this, there's a cult involved now that's kind of introduced to Halloween five with the man in black And it's kind of described in Halloween 6. I mean, it is described in Halloween 6. Not well, mind you. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And it's very hard to follow. But basically, Michael has this curse where he needs to... So, preface this with, Michael is no longer just a killing machine for no reason. He's no longer the land shark. Now, he is a part of this tool used by this cult to kill the members of his family because if they if he doesn't this curse will be passed down through his generation or to another family and continue on and bring p- plague and death to everybody i think that's honestly and not even jokingly i think that's the best way that i can describe that and i know that it sounded really choppy and uncertain and I let me tell you, I've seen I have seen Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, probably 30 times, maybe more. And I'm talking both this and the director's cut. There are two different versions. And that is the best way that I can describe that. So Michael Myers has to do this. He's basically a tool of this cult. Um, it is a bloody movie. And it feels like Halloween for sure. Like it looked, the aesthetic absolutely feels cold and eerie. Um, right up there with Halloween four. How that makes you feel? And uncertain. And I, the cinematography is very good. Um, again, Michael Myers, he gained a little bit of weight in this. Um, Chubby Myers gained some weight in this. Uh but. I don't think it's actually a bad movie if you could remove the story, like the plot. And that's its biggest problem, really. Um, This goes off the fucking rails. This movie makes no sense at all. So go in, and you can watch it for fun as just a slasher to see Michael do some shit, and that's the only way that you're going to enjoy this. If you go into this and you're like, let's see what happens next in this trilogy, because technically this is a trilogy in the actual franchise. It makes no sense. You're going to hate this movie. So that Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers comes out in 1995. So between Halloween 5 and 6, there's a six-year gap. What follows The Curse of Michael Myers is Halloween H20, which brings back Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. So Here's the thing about Halloween H twenty or H two O, whatever you want to call it. It takes place twenty years later after the first movie. Um, which is it came out August fifth, nineteen ninety eight. So it really did twenty years after it. Jamie Lee Curtis said the only way she's going to come back is if they end the franchise right here. It's the only way that they're going to do this. They have to kill it. They have to either kill her. They have to kill Michael. So, like, well, we're going to make the movie for sure anyway. We might as well just see if you want to be in it, whatever. Um, this is divisive in that I feel like I'm in the minority of people that hate this movie. I really don't like H20. I really don't. I know a lot of people that do. I know a lot of people that listen to this are Halloween fans and probably do like H20. I'm going to give you my reasoning for not liking it, though. One, I want you guys to Google Halloween H20 right now and look at the preview images. You'll see Michael staring through a round window. His mask is a joke. I mean, like, this is the worst. And this movie had like five masks. This is the worst mask I think maybe in the entire franchise. He looks so fucking stupid. He looks so bad. In one of the scenes, there's not even a mask. They had to go back in and edit this. And for whatever reason they didn't just use the mask, they CGI'd that mask onto him. It's it's hilarious. It's so funny. Type in Halloween H20 CGI mask. It is, and it's the first image that comes up. It It's hilarious. I mean, it's it's almost like a parody, like a comedy. It's so bad. I'm looking at it now, and it's hard to believe that they oh my god. It's just so bad. So, there's a CGI mask. Then, There are parts where you full on see his eyes, and some of the masks have like really oval eyes, like it's very strange. There is a scene where Michael was in a kitchen stabbing this one bitch. The knife he is holding is—I'm not exaggerating—like a foot long. Look, this knife doesn't exist. Like it, look this. Is like to me, Halloween H20 is like a parody of Halloween. It's gone so far off the rails at this point and makes so little sense. Um, that to somebody whose Halloween, the original, is one of their is probably their favorite horror movie of all time, that we have now come to this. I don't understand how you can objectively see this film. And think about the movies that you just saw before this and say, this is an improvement. Like people, this is some people's second favorite movie in the franchise. And I get difference of opinion. I have no problem with that. I fundamentally don't understand how you can watch Halloween H20 and think it's anything other than a dumpster fire. So let me give you guys, so the whole series... Takes place in Haddonfield, Illinois. The whole series, Halloween age twenties, twenty years later, and Laurie Strode is like a dean at a college in California. Michael apparently takes a bus to California and does his killing here on a college campus. It's so bad. I cannot, and it's actually really upsetting because I know that people can like different things, and I don't have a problem with that. This movie is such a piece of shit and makes so little sense. Um, I mean, it makes more sense than Halloween 6, but at least Halloween Six redeeming quality is it feels like October, like it feels like the holiday, and Michael Myers is scary as shit. And then you get to this pile of, of garbage and you have Michael Myers walking around in CGI masks and masks with round eyes and monkey noses and like a foot long knives and you can see his eyeballs and like it's his hair. He's like an Afro through half this movie. (sighs) This movie sucks, dude. And this is one of the ones that I skip every time I watch the franchise. I don't understand how you like it. You know what is funny though? You know who's in this is um, uh, what's his name? Hold on, um, Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt. He's in this movie. This is like his first movie. He's like a kid, but it's so bad. So there's that Halloween H two O. It has a fifty two percent of round Tomatoes. This movie sucks. I don't I don't like it. I know people like it. Cody, I know you like it. You know it's all good, dog. It's just, I think this movie is terrible. But one thing about it, which I need, I'd be doing this a disservice if I didn't mention it. Halloween H2O or Halloween H20 ends the fucking franchise. They end it. It's done. It's over. So they did what Jamie Lee Curtis said that she would come back to do. They kill Michael Myers. They cut his fucking head off. That's how the movie ends. They cut his head off. It's over. Done. Axe. Axe to the neck. It's done. Over. <sighs> 1998, that comes out. 2002, four years later, Halloween Resurrection. Well, this movie has the the nuts to say, you know what? She didn't cut Michael's head off. Michael, get this, switched uniforms with a paramedic. What? They ended the Halloween franchise one movie ago by cutting off Michael Myers' head. And Halloween Resurrection has the balls to come back around and say, you know what? Michael Myers broke the trachea of a paramedic so he couldn't speak. Put a mask on him instead. Change outfits. And Lori cuts off the paramedic's head instead of Michael's against a tree by the ambulance down in the field. So Michael Myers escaped as a paramedic. So they just they explained that. And mind you. I'm so impressed that they ended H20 the way they did. I'm like, oh, thank God they finally ended this franchise. Yeah, it's on a note. I wish they didn't, but at least they killed it. Great. They describe Michael Myers and the paramedic. They describe that whole thing in a cut scene, in a flashback that I'm not joking is maybe 10 seconds long. That's how they describe it. So this movie, Halloween Resurrection, is about... (laughs) That shit makes me laugh, because this is like one of the worst movies ever made. Um, I like this more than Halloween 5, though, for what it's worth. At least I tried to do something different with this. I mean, it's bad. It's terrible. But Halloween 5 is... Ugh, they didn't even try to do something new, which is bad. Halloween Resurrection stars Laurie Strode for about the first eight minutes, and then Tyra Banks in Busta Rhymes. Mostly Busta Rhymes. Um, they are they are doing a live streamed GoPro like situation in the Myers house. Many years later, and they just have to survive the night. And Busta Rhymes is dressed up as Michael to try to like scare them and shit like that. And the real Michael Myers shows up. So now there's a real Michael Myers who's been, I guess, living under his house in the sewers eating rats for 30 years. And after coming back from California, of course, and a fake Buster Rhymes, Michael Myers walking around. Um, this, the acting is terrible. The acting is so bad in this. Everybody is terrible. I mean, everybody's bad. Buster. Buster Rhymes is funny because of you. Just so don't expect Buster Rhymes to be your main character. So when you're watching a Halloween movie, and he is the main character, basically, kind of. There's a girl who's actually the main character, and let me tell you, I don't know her name, and I'm not gonna look it up. It's the brunette. You can watch the movie. She, it. She is the worst actress. Like she's so bad. <sighs> and you have Busta Rhymes yelling motherfucker at Michael Myers, and Michael's killing these people one by one, and it's really lame. It's not cool. Like, there's not maybe one cool kill, I don't think. Uh Man, I just sound so deflated about this, because this is like the low point of the franchise. Like, this is so bad but at least they tried to do something different with like point of view shots and stuff like that whereas halloween 5 was just dog shit the whole way at least this tried to be different like the acting's t- terrible in this movie at least they tried to do something different though um i don't really know what else to say about it i mean they basically burn michael myers or electrocute michael myers so what happens is at the very end, this is, I, I'm going to spoil this shit cause this is so fucking stupid. Um, and I just recommend you don't even watch this movie to be honest with you. So Michael Myers and his stupid mask is back and Buster rhymes basically electrocutes Michael Myers and the dick. Like that's basically what happens. I don't even know if it's him or if it's the main character, like the main girl, it's one of the two. They electrocute him with like a live wire, like right in the dick, right in the crotch. And he just like falls backwards into these wires. And I think either burns to death or electrocutes himself. And that's how it ends. Actually, that's not how it ends. So that is how it ends, like in the main story, like in uh, the house and stuff. And then at the very end, they, he's in the morgue and he wakes up in the morgue. And that's it. So so here's the thing. This is the original Halloween franchise. And that really ends with this movie, Resurrection. What comes after Resurrection is... Let me see how much time I have in this half hour. All right. Is Rob Zombies, to Halloween movies. They are reimaginings based in, in a vein, in the Rob Zombie vein of Halloween. The first Halloween that he does comes out in 2007. And it is interesting in that, so people really hate this movie. And I disagree, I think, to a degree. So the thing, the biggest, most glaring problem with Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween is he gives Michael a backstory. Michael is no longer the land shark that just shows up and does what it does because it can. He was an abused kid in an abusive house. His mother was a stripper. Dad was an asshole, abusive, all that kind of shit, right? Um, they and bullied at school, and it, he gives Michael Myers a backstory. I don't want that shit, and that takes away all of the mystique of the character. I appreciate Halloween for its simplicity, and... It has an aura and mystery about it that most other horror franchises do not have. Rob Zombie kills that and says this is why he is the way he is. And he's allowed to. It's his movie. It's whatever. What they did right was Tyler Maine as Michael Myers is a terrific choice terrific choice um so up until this point michael myers was like pretty average like michael myers was like an average size dude like he was first movie he was like five seven five eight like you know and then throughout the movie i mean it's probably maybe five ten you know five eleven whatever if you're talking about right like a normal human guy tyler main Becomes Michael Myers in 2007. Tyler Maine is 6'8". He's like 6'8", 280. Now, up until then, you were scared of Michael Myers necessarily because you he was always in the shadows. And you're like, oh, this dude's going to... He's wily. You know, Michael's wily. He's going to pop out and he's going to get me with a shoestring. Tyler Maine is huge now imagine a six eight almost 300 pound michael myers busting through your garage door your ceiling your fucking brick walls um that is the scariest shit that's like so people always have this debate like who's stronger jason Voorhees or michael myers listen to me Up until Jason becomes zombie Jason, resurrected zombie Jason, Michael Myers is stronger. Once Jason becomes zombie Jason, he's significantly stronger. Um, 6'8", 300-pound Michael Myers versus Jason. Period. Any Jasons. That's different. Right? That's a little bit different. Do you know how fucking scary that shit would be? And he's... Intimidating as fuck in 2007, Rob Zombie's movie. Um, his escape scene from Smith's Grove is terrific, terrific. It's so good. There's some unnecessary stuff in the director's cut, Rob Zombie's director's cut of it, but the the wide release cinematic one was gr- a great escape scene. Um, kills the shit out of the guards. Danny Trejo's in it. It's awesome. And this, I don't think 2007 Halloween is that bad. The biggest problem is its backstory, which was totally unnecessary. If we just started with Michael Myers escaping prison or escaping from Smith's Grove Sanitarium, if that was the start of the movie, it would have been a significantly better movie. Unfortunately, you can't even fast forward to that part because the entire part of him when he's a child, I mean, it takes up like the first 35 minutes of the movie. You can't skip that much of the film. So I wish the kid part, if it was in there, maybe it was like 10 minutes or not at all, ideally. Um, But I really don't think 2007's Rob Zombie Halloween reimagining, I don't think it's that bad, to be honest with you. The kills are decent. Michael's huge. Um, The set design is cool. I don't have a problem really, you know, with it. There's not a lot of tension at all. And believe me, I'm not saying that it's as good as 1978. I'm not saying that it's John Carpenter. It's just not. It's it's a different movie. But I think that's what's kind of good about it, is it's just different. It's a different, it's a reimagining of this movie. So I don't dislike it at all. And I give Rob a lot of credit for what he did with it, because I think, you know, we haven't always gotten the best Michael Myers, and Tyler Maine was a good fucking choice for that. Um, 2009, he comes out with h 2 which is very divisive. People either like it or they do not. There's not a lot of in-between. I like it. I've very much fallen into the camp of, I think that it is one of the most original and one of the freshest um, takes on a horror remake or reimagining, whatever you want to call it. Um, Everything in the hospital. So what I don't like are dream sequences. And unfortunately, a decent part of this movie is a dream sequence. But it's so well done. And Michael is so brutal and ruthless, and I just destroying people. And it's so fucking badass to see. It's so cool seeing this big six eight Michael Myers walking around, just wrecking shop in this hospital. It's badass. His mask is good, and honestly, Hobo Michael is pretty dope with his big beard. His mask is like half blown off from the first movie. Um, he's just this big, like, hobo Michael. He has this, like, you know, this, like, hoodie jacket on. Like, I don't know. I think he looks badass, man. Um, I'm a fan of H2. I know a lot of people aren't. I think both of Rob Zombies are better than Halloween 4, 5, or not 4. I think Rob Zombies' Halloweens are better than 5, 6, H2O, and Resurrection. I think they are. I think Halloween six again is still pretty scary. I use that in quotes. Um, but for what it is, if you can take the story out of it, Halloween six is a damn good horror slasher. Um, but I don't think Rob Zombie does a bad job at all. I know people probably may or may not want to hear that, but you know, I'm very I'm heavily indebted into these movies for the influence that they've had. And um from my perspective, Rob did not a bad job and you know what? I might watch Halloween today too. Like his versions. I have no problem with them. Um, outside of the entire backstory part. I'm cool with this shit though. Um, and then we're going to go to one more, which is the last for now. Halloween, 2018 directed by David Gordon green, written by David Gordon green and Danny McBride. Um, this is my direct sequel. This is my preferred sequel. This is my second favorite Halloween film to 1978. Um, it's well executed. It is well shot. Michael Myers is fucking terrifying. Really scary in the shit. Um, old Michael does not. Give a fuck, dude. Old Michael just is walking destruction. It's great. It's so cool. Um, this scene, the long shots of him walking around Haddonfield, like before shit really starts to hit the fan. It's actually like after some of the original, the you know forward stuff in the movie happens, is very good. Um. I have very, very few complaints. I know not everybody likes 2018, but you know what? I think the whole thing with Laurie is great. I think the comedy is just enough. It was written by comedians. The fuck do you think you're going to get? Of course there's going to be some comedy in it, and I don't think it's overbearing. I think it's just right. I have no problem with it. Um, Laurie Strode's Family is great. And really, the highlight of this movie is Michael Myers. And seeing this real, true sequel, Michael Myers back, it's like 78 all over again, I think. And I was not around to see a Halloween in theaters. So this was the first one I got to see, 2018. You're talking about, there was a nine-year break between Halloween movies. H2, Rob Zombie, and this one, 2018. And they're very, very different films. And this one is the direct sequel to the first one. So Halloween twenty eighteen kills all the Halloweens that we just talked about. Two, three, four, all the way through Resurrection, Rob Zombie, whatever, because that's a different universe, technically. Um, so H twenty or I'm sorry, Halloween twenty eighteen is a direct sequel, the follow up to the original and there are already two other movies confirmed with that in Halloween Kills which comes out next year and is a terrible name and Halloween Ends it is what it is comes out in 2022 or 2021 so they are ending Halloween in 2021 and i do believe that that's they're going to end it i believe that that's what's going to happen i think that either i think if i had a crystal ball i think in the next movie Lori dies and either her daughter or granddaughter take the mantle of, you know, the anti Michael Myers. So, I mean, it'll be interesting, but to me, eight Halloween, 2018 does so much right from the music, which Don, John Carpenter is a producer and does the music with his son. um, I mean, Halloween 2018 does so much right that I now only really watch Halloween 1978 and then I follow that up directly with 2018. I like it a lot. It's not a perfect movie, but it's so much positive to build on for the next two movies. I wish there weren't two more movies coming, but there are that I think I have faith in it, and I hope they don't ruin it, and I hope Bloomhouse knows not to just shred the shit out of this like they do everything else, and just milk the hell out of it until there's nothing left. I hope they don't do it. And I think that as long as they have the right people in charge, I could see it going well. So that was an entire franchise review <laughs> for Halloween. Um, I have a lot of more like specifics, like shooting locations in the house and stuff like that. But I wanted to just do broad strokes on this. And guys, I very, very much appreciate you sticking with me and listening to me talk about this shit. I don't know how interesting or not it was, but hopefully, if you have any questions or anything like that, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, I'm very passionate about things, all things horror. And if you guys are going out and trick or treating or drinking or whatever you're doing today. Please be safe. Safe travels. I love y'all. And again, happy Halloween.